Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another great episode of Tide Chasers Podcast, where each show we try to bring you the best guests from across the fishing industry. Before we get started, please remember you can give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Tide underscore Chasers and listen to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Waypoint TV. If you haven't already, make sure you listen to our most recent episode with Eric Richard of Covered Waters Fly Fishing. Bobby and I got a chance to chat with Eric about fly fishing for brown trout, smallmouth bass, and discuss trout fisheries management here in my home state of Pennsylvania. Tonight, we have an awesome guest from a brand that I'm a firm believer in. Uh, whenever I get out on the water, there's two things I never leave home without. One is my favorite hat, and two is my Costa Jose Pros. Um, and we're fortunate enough to have a member of Costa's team on the podcast tonight chatting with me. So tonight, I'd like to welcome John Muir from Costa. Uh, John is the Global Product Marketing Manager for Costa, and is very passionate about life on the water. We're excited to chat with John and learn more about Costa's legendary eyewear products. So how are you doing tonight, John? Oh, doing great. Thank you so much for having us, Tyler. Uh, stoked to be here. No problem. We're we're super excited to have you on. Um, I know that Costa has been a huge part in my fishing experiences over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I was someone that originally I always had a pair of sunglasses with me, but I, I can't say I was ever too um, worried about what I used. But then I tried Costa's and I'm I'm hooked now. I can't I can't go to, back to anything else. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Love it. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, you know, we always start off our shows by getting to know our guests. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how you got started in life in the outdoors and life on the water, and then uh, maybe how you got started with Costa. Sure thing. Yeah, this goes way, way back, you know, ever since I was a little, little kid, me and my dad weren't necessarily throwing a, uh, a football or baseball around in the backyard, you know, skating between his legs before I could walk or skiing on his shoulders or getting down to the local beach fishing and uh, get just spending as much time in the outdoors as possible with him growing up. And that kind of translated to me being that stoked out kid that was really inspired by a lot of brands. I used to send uh, all my favorite brands emails as a little kid asking for free stickers. Um, and was truly inspired and moved by these brands. And 
kind of always knew I wanted to be on the the other side of that. You know, growing up in New York, there's always a, a lot of pressure to go into finance, you know, easy to make a lot of money, not necessarily easy to make a lot of money, but a lot of opportunity to make a lot of money. But for me, I really wanted to tap into what I'm super, super passionate about, work with like-minded individuals and ultimately work for a brand that has a, a, a higher purpose. So working with Costa has been amazing in that respect. Um, I got started with Costa close to three years ago now. It's crazy how time flies, but I uh, got my start in the professional world straight out of college, uh, working for Oakley. Um, like I said, Oakley was one of those brands that I reached out to for free stickers when I was a little kid. So working for that type of brand has always been a dream of mine. Uh, worked with the Oakley team for about two and a half years. Um, then a opportunity presented itself over on the Ray-Ban side, which is an amazing, amazing experience working for a brand with that level of recognition. And then uh, about a little over two and a half years ago, Costa had an opportunity uh, for this product marketing manager position. And that's ultimately what I really, really wanted to do. You know, I'm a consumer of a lot of technical products. I am the, the harshest critic on a lot of my products. So uh, being on the other side of that and telling the story, hopefully alleviating a lot of those questions that consumers like you or me would have. So uh, that's that's kind of the overall background of how I've got here and uh, couldn't be more stoked to be a part of this amazing team. That's awesome. You know, I think for a lot of us, we love the outdoors, but very few of us get to actually pursue a career in one of the brands that we're passionate about or in the industry that we're passionate about. So, um, you know, I can only imagine some of the feelings that you've gone through being able to to make a career out of it. It's been it's been a lot of fun. It really has. And, you know, I, I like to think back of, you know, if I was a high school kid looking about what I was doing now, I think I'd be pretty proud of myself. So uh, definitely a dream come true. Not maybe quite the professional athlete I thought I was going to be when I was a little, little guy, but uh, this is the next closest thing. <laughs> it's awesome. What would you say, you know, just since we're on the subject of, of getting involved in the industry, what would you say is some uh, some of the biggest advice that you would offer to, uh, you know, younger individuals that are looking to try to make that dream come true? Sure. Um, for me, I was lucky. It was our career service center had an internship opportunity with Luxottica that at the time just acquired Oakley. So that's really how I got my foot in the door. But uh, being on the opposite end of it now is really showing that passion piece. You know, that's a really tough thing to teach. Um, it doesn't need. It doesn't mean you need to be a crazy athlete or perform at a certain level. But if you have a true passion about what a brand represents or the type of activities it talks to. That's the stuff that's hard to teach. You know, there's certainly skill sets that go obviously a lot into qualifications for any job, but a lot in our space, the, the outdoor industry, really having that true underlying passion is is massive to, to convey for people trying to come in um, because on our side, you know, authenticity is the biggest thing that we could push. And again, that's a very hard thing to touch, teach, excuse me. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. You know, I've, I've kind of thought about that myself as I get more involved in the industry and other things is that I like to promote brands or other things that I'm passionate about, um, you know, other than just chasing after the next biggest thing. Um, so I definitely like that. You know, I think that's great advice that you mentioned about, about the passion uh, piece. So uh, we know that your, your current title with Costa is you're the global product marketing manager. Uh, maybe could you tell us a little bit more about what goes into to your position? Sure thing. Yeah. I like to pretty much consider our broader product marketing team as the storytellers for products that come out. So we work very closely with our product development team based here in Southern California to understand what their roadmap is over the next couple of years. They'll take a holistic view at the overarching line plan, see we have opportunities in X space uh, targeting X consumer. Uh, they'll get that started with the design team. I'll be kind of a part of it along that whole process, see how it comes out. 
um, and then taking taking that kind of DNA of the product, the the targeted consumer, and really what makes that product different, we try to tell that story holistically to the consumer. So everything from naming the pieces, writing the the descriptions for the pieces, setting up photo shoots to really kind of in, uh, encompass and then convey the DNA of those products, um, and then translating all of that into consumable assets that we then disperse to all of our different channels of trade, whether it be uh, e-com, social. Uh, wholesale, uh, account marketing, PR, pretty much all of the different outputs. So in a nutshell, really just trying to storytell for what the products represent. It's cool. Yeah, I like that way you phrased it, storytelling. And I'm sure that uh, going into all that storytelling, everything that has to take part in that, that sounds like a lot to manage and a lot to try to keep track of. Definitely, definitely. You know, it's not without its challenges, but um, like I said, it's it's something that I love my my team absolutely loves and you know where there's luckily our product development team has given us a lot of amazing products to tell really really good stories about so uh work with those guys to make make sure that we still got amazing amazing products that we really want to tell uh tell these stories about very cool and i know you mentioned about the photo shoots i know from following coast on social media some of those places where the the product photos are taken look absolutely gorgeous have you gotten to go on any cool photo shoot trips I have, I have. That's definitely one of the better parts of the job for sure. Um, you know, it's it's amazing getting out into these elements. And at Costa, we really pride ourselves of never hiring models to shoot with. Um, people that we shoot with are always authentic in that space. Um, so getting out into the elements with those people is is, is huge for us. Uh, some of my favorite trips this year, earlier this year, we were down in Hawaii on the North Shore with a couple of our athletes working on the King Tide campaign. Uh, last year, we did an amazing sailing route around uh, the Bimini Bahamas, um, fishing, spear fishing, and just kind of living off the land there, promoting some of our new lifestyle product. Um, and then one of the other standouts was uh, a trip we did two and a half years ago down in Los Sueños, uh, Costa Rica. Went down there to capture some of our new optical collection and got on some amazing, amazing fish down there. Um, but you know, the, the experiences are certainly, you know, amazing things to remember and look back at and amazing, all the photos. Um, but with what really sticks with me are the relationships that we forge on those trips. You know, they're just such amazing people that we have across the globe. And it's just so cool to see how, what attracted me to the brand and a lot of people to the brand is felt globally and really acts as that medium to bring us all together. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of fun travel. Yeah, that's fantastic. Sounds uh, as the weather's starting to cool off here in in PA. Sounds like uh, pretty nice to get to go to all those warm tropical places. <laughs> definitely, de definitely, definitely. Must be a good feeling as well to to get to see your um, you know, the product that your team has been working on, get to actually go out and see people putting it in use. What's what's that like when you finally get to see the finished product out there? It's amazing. It's amazing. It's uh, I like to use the analogy a lot of you know these products are kind of the babies of our product development team. They spend two to three years developing these, you know, it comes from that conceptual type of idea to fill a void in our overall product map, you know, so much testing and development goes into this. And then finally, when it hits uh, the production samples that we get for our photo shoots, you know, the PD team, they're, they're always calling us, what's the feedback? How are we doing? What's the feedback? So uh, it's been really, really cool uh, for the most part, getting amazing, amazing feedback on these on these photo shoots and uh really seeing that initial wow moment from from the people we do go out and shoot with that's awesome does it take a, a long time to capture the perfect shot 
Yeah, well, it's it's definitely interesting in our world. You know, it's pretty hard to plan exactly when the light is going to be great and the weather is going to line and when a fish is going to bite. There's certainly a lot of unknown factors that, that go into that. Uh, so a lot of times it's pretty hard to recreate those settings, but we have a super, super talented um, videographer and photographer we work with, Austin Coit. We've been working with him for years on the photography side and Patrick Ray with Livid Films on the film side. It's amazing the dance those guys do on the boat or uh, in the water. They'll put themselves in any situation necessary to capture the shot. And especially with our frames, um, you know, a lot of our lenses are very, very mirrored. So it's a very delicate dance they need to play so they're not photobombing themselves in those situations. Um, <laughs> and it's amazing to see the unspoken language and how they just work together uh, amazingly together. So we're super lucky to have them. Um and ultimately, we try to go to the locations that we have multiple opportunities to catch a lot of good fish, catch a lot of good waves or whatever it is that we're trying to do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I know how much pressure I feel when I take someone fishing for the first time or to a place. And I know that I could go out on any given day and, and catch a fish or have a good day. But then the one time that I take somebody out, that seems to be the most pressure filled moments. So I, I couldn't uh, imagine yeah. Plan, making all that planning and going to Hawaii or going down to Costa Rica for a couple of days. And then you, you knowing that you're there for a reason, you got to get it done. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so funny. You know, I, every time when we go on these trips, I go very far out of my way to talk with whoever our host is of like, you know, if it happens, it happens. If not, no worries. I know it's not in our control. It's funny, Pat, Pat Austin and I always have the, when are we going to hear the, uh, the classic, you know, they call it fishing for a reason, right? It's not catching, <laughs> you know, that comes out, uh, at least once every trip. And then there always seems to be the, uh, I think they call it like the media kind of curse, but overall we've been pretty lucky on our shoots. And I think it's just a testament to how um, the people we go out and shoot with, how how dialed in they are, how know, how well they know their waterways. Um, and of course, locations presenting multiple opportunities to hook up. That's awesome. Well, I know that, you know, we were talking about new products and getting out there and testing new products. Um, one of the biggest thing that Costa just unveiled at iCast were uh, your new line of King Tide sunglasses. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about King Tide. I know I got to check them out and I really love them. I can't wait to get a pair, but um, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit more about King Tide. Sure. Well, we'll definitely get you set up with a pair. Um, first things first there. Awesome. Uh, stoked for you to try it out. But yeah, that 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 is a really, really special product for us. This is our 40 year anniversary this year. Um, and really wanted to release a product that represented 40 years of innovations, excellence, and research on the water uh, has really all led to that to that frame being developed. It took a lot of inspiration from frames before it that have tried crazy venting, removable side shield, sweat management, all the features that you see in there were all developed in the past throughout Costa, but for the first time, really all put together. So that fr that frame has actually been in the works and in the talks for about five years. Um, even before my time with, with the Costa brand, we still have a couple uh, members on the product development team, John Sanchez and Casey Lopez, who it was their brainchild. You know, they had developed it and they got two years in, really liked it, but they were like, is this really going to be, you know, groundbreaking? So they're like back to the drawing board, which is a, a lot, a big investment, as you can imagine on our end. So we didn't want to launch until it was absolutely perfect. Um, and that's what we did earlier this year. It was really cool to launch that for the first time in both six and eight base. Uh, so eight base is that classic high wrap that you see um, that you kind of come to know and love from Costa on our some some of our traditional frames. And the six base is really that a little bit more West Coast leaning flatter base curve up front. Um, so really provides the same amount of performance across both, but just gives that a little bit of a stylistic and fit extension. 
Uh, just to briefly talk about some of the features included in that, like I said, it has all of our Pro Series features. So the same features you can find in Pro Series, which is sweat management channels, improved hydrolyte, uh, vented and adjustable nose pads, eye wire drains, sweat management channels, and uh, side shields and top hooding. So all that is included with uh, the addition of the removable side shields. So those side shields not only prevent light leak from coming in on the side and the top, uh, for the first time ever, we've extruded the, the rubber a little bit on top of the frame. So when you flip it over and place it down on your dashboard or on your boat running out, it has a little bit of that non-slip grip. You know, it's, uh, um, you know, I challenge ourselves. I'm like, how did we just think about this? You know, it's, it makes a lot of sense to have that. It would be weird if you had a Yeti cooler that came out without, you know, the, uh, the rubber on the bottom there. So it's really cool to add that. Um, and then we've also added some additional venting on that piece to make it almost impossible to fog. Um, if, if you guys have a chance, I definitely urge you to go check out our YouTube to check out the, the video that we have on the King Tide piece, um, kind of shows a little bit behind the scenes of what we do to develop and test these products. Yeah. If, if the, if it's the same video I'm thinking about, I was super impressed with that one piece, like you just said about where you added the, the grip, the adhesive part to the top of the frames. Cause I think I remember the, the glasses being like upside down on the boat and the boat is running full speed and they're not even moving. Because I know exactly. before, if that was my sunglass, I'd be a nervous wreck. I'd be like, all right, where are they at? I got to get them and I got to put them away because I don't want them to fall or break or something. Yeah, no, that, that is the video and exactly that. Yeah, even even though we had confidence in it, there was a, that initial like, what's going to happen to these? But they, they they held right there and we were super pleased with how it performed. Um, but yeah, that, that video unpacks a lot of what we do internally here um, out in our Southern California uh design and, and testing center, um, you know, we have, we kind of call it the time machine internally. Uh, there's a lot of elements that we use in there to kind of get ahead and design around any potential uh, defects that may come, come about a couple of years down the road. Uh, a great example of that is our salt, salt spray chamber. So we put all of our components in this one chamber, um, individual components, and also the, the complete pair for a couple hundred hours. Um, really see if there's any of those pieces that start to fail. So say, bad example, but if one of the, the screws on the hinge starts to rust out or something starts to fail, the engineering team will identify that, okay, we need to find a better solution and get that. So we try to do all that in that controlled setting there, just so you're not you know, buying one of our products in a couple of years down the road, you have some delamination or so on and so forth. So uh, kind of use that as the 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 real time machine to get ahead of any potential design defects. Um, you know, One of our... Coast has always had a big stance on sustainability and conservation. Um, and one of our biggest stances on that is product longevity. You know, 80% of emissions from products come upstream from producing those. So the longer our products last, better it is on the environment and your wallets. So uh, it's a win-win for everybody involved. That's fantastic. I know um, I got a chance to look at that video during the product preview um, that you guys did before ICAST. And I was so impressed by the amount of testing that goes into the products, like you said, with the, with the salt spray chamber. And I think there was another part too, if I remember correctly, where somebody was kind of like standing in a heated room to simulate fighting a fish and they had like the sweat and it was seeing which way it was running through the frames and everything. I mean, I was just, I, I was so impressed, you know, with the level that, that goes into the testing. And you said all that's done out in Southern California. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Exactly. You're talking about the, uh, the elements chamber there. So, uh, um, I nerd out when I go back in that, the, the, those labs there. It's so cool to see all this stuff. And that's what uh, just amazing for me being out here on the product marketing side to really dive deeply into that. 
So that that chamber, you could create whatever microclimate you want. You could have a little snowstorm in there. You can make it a rainstorm. You can make it absolutely freezing or the hottest and most humid place on earth. That's what we did uh, to kind of create, you know, create any of those, the gnarly days anywhere in the world, really. And uh, so we had a couple of our team members in there cranking down on the rod for a couple hours just to, again, um, test all different features in that controlled setting. So we were looking at the sweat management there, how, it, how the sweat management channels are helping redirect sweat um, from your from your eyes to the back back of your head, um, how the anti-fogging and venting is all working together. Um, and then even kind of getting a little bit more pointed with fit, you know, how are the temples integrating with your hat when you're bent over a rod and kind of cranking down in that scenario. Um, and then, so we pair all of that with what we do internally in the labs there with the out in the elements field testing that we do with our ambassadors, um, and kind of with both of those, you know, create a lot of really good insights for us. So, um, definitely a lot to nerd out on, uh, in the back, in the back there, I mean, it's been amazing working with that team. No, oh, I think it's awesome. You know, those are all little things that, you know, you might not think about right away until you're actually out using them. Um, you know, like you said, I can't tell you how many pairs of sunglasses I had prior to having my Costas where kind of like you said, you know, certain ways you'd move all of a sudden they're sliding down and you're constantly readjusting them or you're trying to wipe them off. They got fog on them. So, um, that's awesome to hear that you guys put that level of care and that level of, of time and effort into trying to figure out, you know, where all the little things are to make the best pair possible. Sir. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit more. I know like, so King Tide, you know, like you said, they come in the two different, uh, I want to say sizes, but they're not really sizes, the six and the eight. Um, it almost seemed to me like they're the perfect balance between a, a lifestyle brand and a performance brand um, where you can either take those side shields off and use them for one or the other, or, you know, just the way that the curvature is in the frame. Definitely, definitely, definitely. To be able to take the side shield off has a completely different aesthetic um appearance you know i actually i really thought i was gonna stylistically like the six way better than the eight for whatever reason the eight fits my face a little bit better and i happen to like it so don't take it that you know if you're on the west coast you gotta go six or the east coast you gotta go eight generally that's what's liked um and, it, and initially it was kind of for that that stylistic option but we've seen it a lot of, on the fit size you know every person's head shape is different um, so I'd definitely, uh, invite you to try on both and just get a good feel for, for what you like, uh, in terms of fit and styling there, but having those removable side shields definitely gives those, uh, rather expensive pair of sunglasses, a little bit more legs. So having the side shields on all day when you're offshore, want to hit a bar on the way back in at the marina, pop the side shields off. You get a nice, really nice, really, uh, relaxed pair. Yeah, I agree. And I also like the eight as well. I, I agree that, that the curvature just kind of fit a little bit more naturally for me. And that's what I was more comfortable with, but. Um, I think the sixes look, look really good as well. So what exactly goes into the process for developing a new pair of sunglasses? You know, I know, I know you spoke about King Tide. That was years um, in development. What all does that process look like? Sure. So King Tide was a little bit more involved than, than the general, but overall, it's a, a good example generally of what goes into this. Um, and again, that, that the video does a good job of kind of illustrating it. Um, so hopefully it's conveyed well through, through me speaking here, but overall it kind of starts with that, the product development team identifying a gap in our current assortment. Um, you know, Hey, we haven't really refreshed this portion of the, the collection in X amount of years. Uh, we have some new ideas of how we want to do more things on the performance side, or we really want to do this intricate detailing on the lifestyle side. So they have this high level idea of what it is that we're trying to accomplish. 
we'll write a brief based on that, the target of consumer, the intent of the piece, what the DNA of the piece is, and then work with our design team to really uh, land on the actual design of that frame. So they'll start off with those kind of like wisping sketches that you see um, just with our designers kind of going crazy, kind of go back and forth with a couple different design ideas, start layering that into CAD to make sure that those uh, forms and shapes are even achievable. Um, and then from there, King Tide had a lot of this, but it'll go into the 3D modeling area where our team will print out a lot of different 3D models and we'll get it exactly to the proportions of what we like. Um, and then from there, it goes into creating the the tooling for all of the molds. So um, all of uh, our frames are either bioacetate or bioresin. Uh, most of our performance frames, King Tide is a bioresin. So we have a castor bean um, based material that we inject into the molds. Um, and then it's in that mold, pretty much the finished form. And then at that stage is when we'll begin all the testing that you'll see in uh, that, that King Tide video, um, starting off with uh, the salt spray ex exposure, temple testing. There's a million things that it goes through for um, the quality standard testing, but it's really that, that overall journey of starting with the, the conceptual idea of sketching, think of it as an architect, and then working with the actual the builder to be like, no, we can't actually do that, or let's do this in a slightly different way. And then once we get the finished form, testing it like crazy, just to make sure the durability portion of it's there. Cool. And is, I'm assuming that a lot of your ideas for new products, does that come from feedback from uh, consumers and feedback from your team members as well as kind of what, you know, they're looking for in future pairs? Yeah, it's a, it's a balance of uh, pro and ambassador feedback, you know, Hey, you know, when I'm out doing this, I need this, or I want this, you know, um, we're trying to legit, we're, we're trying to develop that a little bit more going forward and standardize that of uh, really bringing athletes in way further upstream to have a, a, a far bigger say in our, in the production of the, of the, the glasses themselves. Um, but overall it's, it's kind of what they want, what we see as an opportunity on the market side, what we think we need to round out our overall assortment and really be, be able to speak to the Waterman consumer um, in a multitude of ways. Um, over the past couple of years, we've started to develop um, and really get sharp on our positioning of our performance product, hybrid product and lifestyle product. So trying to provide the right pair for our consumers, uh, depending on really what their wants and needs are for that piece. That's cool. Yeah, I'm sure that could be difficult sometimes trying to narrow it down because everybody wants something a little bit different. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if you have a great team and you have enough people, I'm sure that you can find some some common areas to make everybody happy. For sure, for sure. And that's where, you know, um, having items like the removable side shields adds, adds a little bit of versatility to the piece that, you know, allows it to wear in a couple different ways. So continually uh, trying to strive for new ideas. Would you say that there is a, a part of the process that's maybe the most time consuming or the most challenging uh, part of developing a new piece? Uh, I'm not quite as involved with the actual development of it. Um, our product design team or excuse me, product development team really leans, leads that. From my perspective, it seems like they run a pretty smooth ship. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's too many hangups. <laughs> um, so it's probably a lot of the, the back and forth initially of, okay, what is it that we're trying to do? Um, and there's definitely a lot that goes into the briefs that we write just to make sure we're teeing up our design team in the right way um, without getting too prescriptive of what we're looking for. Okay. Yeah. I think if it was me trying to make them, I'm sure I'd be back to the drawing board about a thousand times. Just, <laughs> just when I, just when I thought I'd have everything figured out, I'd have 
one thing go wrong and I have to go back and redo the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's good. Um, you know, so having been a part of the Costa team now for a couple of years and having been through some other uh, different brands in the industry, what do you believe sets Costa apart and makes them such a, a premier eyewear brand? I think that the biggest thing that sets us apart is our our true commitment to conservation. Um, and that's something that's been a pillar of our brand since the very, very beginning in 1983. You know, our founder's stance on that was, you know, if we don't protect the places we love most, we won't have a product to serve people going out to explore, surf, fish, and whatever the most beautiful places on earth. So um, having that higher calling is definitely something that differentiates the brand. Uh, and then on the product level, um, you know, it's for me, it's really that the 580 glass is an absolute game changer. The scratch resistance of that piece is insane. Um, you know, I love to do at different trade shows or even press events, ask if anybody has a set of keys to make sure they know it's not a phony one. And I'll take that and I'll just scrub down on, on the lenses of my glass, glass coasters. And everybody's like, please don't do that, but it never scratches. Um, so that's always a really cool way to illustrate that. And certainly a pain point that anybody that owns any type of eyewear could relate to. Um, but yeah, just that crisp viewing experience of the glass paired with that 580 technology, especially when you're out on the water, uh, is a real game changer. And there's almost no setting where your vision, uh, enhanced vision is as much a competitive advantage as it is in certain fishing scenarios. You know, being able to see what you're doing, um, is, is massive and, you know, kind of positioning it as that piece of equipment uh, instead of like a fashion accessory is something that helps uh, set us apart as well. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned about the the 580 lenses because I know, you know, years ago I used to break so many pairs of sunglasses just from use and abuse. And I would just go buy these cheap pairs, you know, whatever I could find that looked half decent, it would cost very little. And there was one time where I was out up in upstate New York, I was salmon fishing, and it was the first time where I was ever trying to look at salmon in the water or fish in the water. And I just, I couldn't see them. You know, I mean, my lenses were polarized, but it wasn't anywhere near what I needed to create the contrast to see them on the bottom of the river. And that's where it kind of hit me. And I said, all right, I need to get something better. And then I had the opportunity um, to try out a pair of the, the Costa Jose Pros and immediately I could see the difference. I was seeing things in the river or lakes or saltwater that I had never could never see before and didn't realize how much I was missing. Um, and now that I've used it, I'll never go back. <laughs> I'll never use something different. It, it is worth it 100%. Oh, love it. Such a such a great story. Thank you for sharing. That's That's something that's really cool about our product that's always kind of hard to do is if you're in a scenario where you could really see the difference, like if all of our consumers could just get out on that, that river or stream that you're on and just try them on and have that, wow, okay, I could see what we're talking about now. Um, you know, that's that's obviously hard to recreate, but yeah, it's always cool hearing those kind of like wow moments from our consumers. And yeah, we've seen it come to life in a lot of different ways. Like I've had times where uh, I live on the South Shore of Long Island for the past couple of years. And we've had a lot more marine activity out there over the past few years. Sure, you've seen it, you know, whales all over the place, giant bluefin tuna right offshore, and also a lot of men in gray suits that follow those guys. So uh, <laughs> as an avid surfer, a little bit more conscious of, you know, exactly when and where we're paddling out. I remember we got to uh, one of this one of these sandbars that we kind of been mapping out all summer, late last fall. Um, one of the first tropical systems was coming up and, you know, we were looking at the lineup and the, bo the boys were like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, guys, I don't know, like, look at that huge bait ball out the back that like, there's definitely some big things hitting that. They're like, what are you talking about? And then I'm like, 
I looked at them, none of them were wearing sunglasses. So I was like, try these on. Then the second I took them off and then they tried them on, you see this massive bait ball of, of Mead and Hayden or Bunker out there and definitely some big animals. I don't know exactly what it was hitting at that. So we chose the, uh, the next sandbar down, but you know, just another example of a way that, you know, you can really see things differently out there, uh, with, with 580 helping out. Yeah. Yeah. No, no way. Would you catch me anywhere paddling near the bait ball? I, um, I've had <laughs> too many experience, especially in Florida, the last couple of years, I've had too many experiences oh, yeah. seeing some big sharks out there on the flats or on the inlets to say, Nope, I'm good. I don't need to don't need to get in the water or I'll look at my guide and say, Hey, uh, is it okay if I grip reach down the water and grab that fish out of there? Cause, uh, you know, are we in a really shark infested place? I don't, I don't mess yeah, around with that. Yeah. <laughs> competitive advantage and safety in certain scenarios too. Sure. Very, very true. <laughs> um, well, how about, you know, if someone is looking to get their first pair of coasters or maybe just a new pair of coasters, um, what would you recommend for someone to find the perfect pair that fits their needs? Like how would they go about finding that, that pair? Sure. Yeah. I would first, you know, try to, I always try to ask our, our customers or consumers, you know, what is it that you're looking to do with this piece? And depending it is that what they're trying to do with it, either, you know, perform at the best of the abilities when they're offshore or maybe a little bit of everything, or I just want a super vibey, stylish piece to wear to a barbecue and occasionally a wedding, so on and so forth. So try to identify really what you're trying to do with that piece. Um, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we've gotten a lot sharper with our product architecture of kind of segmenting our products by performance, hybrid, and lifestyle. So think of performance of Coast's bread and butter, what we've been known for for years. Um, amazing designs like like King Tide or Pro Series that are built to uh, stand up to the elements and really provide those competitive advantages. On the far other opposite end of the spectrum, we have Lifestyle, which prides itself on the overall expression of the piece, beautiful detailing, really nice bioacetate uh, patterns that we include on these and getting a really, really vibrant kind of tying into coastal culture expression across the globe. Um, and then in the middle, we have the hybrid collection, which really takes the best of the best from both ends. We like to refer to this collection as our uh, like sleeper car collection or, uh, you know, relax on the outside, but wait until you see what's under the hood type of uh, type of scenario. You know, a lot of these have the kind of laid back look and feel what you have on the lifestyle side, but are packed with performance features under the hood to help you um, really perform at that at that ability. We've seen a lot of uh, positive traction in the hybrid space seems like a lot of consumers are looking for versatility in their piece, uh, especially at, at a high price point. So we're super stoked to continue to develop uh, the hybrid category. That's fantastic. I know one of the other things too that I found very helpful when I was looking at what pair I wanted to get um, was I know that you have a lens guide on your website um, because, you know, lenses come in a lot of different colors. And what I didn't realize at first was that that's more than than just for looks. That's all about the actual performance of the lenses. Maybe you can speak about that. Sure thing. Yeah, yeah. The lens guide is a really nice tool to get more pointed. So I guess the the first the first note that I had there gets you in the right frame design, and then once you're in the right frame design, um, the lens is the next step. But yeah, so it's kind of broken up into um, three or four different base colors. Uh, so we have a gray base, which is our gray, gray lens, uh, gray silver mirror, um, and also our blue mirror. So all those will have a very similar viewing experience with different aesthetic filters added or layers added. Um, so that's one that's generally loved. Uh, and I'm saying generally people use these in a lot of different ways, but generally liked in the offshore settings where you have a lot of that super bright exposed light. Um, the next 
tier we have are the copper base lenses, which is our green mirror, copper, silver mirror, um, and just our copper. So those are great for ultimate contrasting. Uh, really, really liked in rivers and stream scenarios where you might want to have a little bit more of that color contrast. Um, we see a lot of guys wear these offshore too, so it's not one or the other. Uh, Sunrise Silver, really, really, really cool. Um, yellow base lens that uh, is our lowest VLT on within the assortment. And that's really, really nice for those low light settings, early mornings, late evenings, or maybe a cloudy day. Um, and then we just added, which has been a really nice addition uh, across the portfolio and especially loved on our, our lifestyle frames, the gradient, the gradients. So we've introduced a rose-based gradient and a gray-based gradient, um, just providing a different aesthetic, aesthetic look for, for our consumers. So um, a lot of really good options there. would definitely uh, suggest checking out the 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 uh, lens educating tool on the website for some further details there. Yeah, green mirror are my favorite. That's what I have, and that's what I've tended to prefer. Um, you know, originally I thought I liked the way the blue looks the best just for appearance uh, perspective, but I, you can't beat the green mirror with you know when I'm going out some of the rivers and streams or even like shallow saltwater areas. Um, they're awesome for being able to, to get that perfect contrast and be able to sight fish everything. So, um, yeah, green mirror are, are my favorite, but like you said too, the, the silver sunrise and being able to see in those early morning or late evening conditions, that's a big advantage too. Yeah. And, uh, kind of to our previous point, you know, if you have the ability to try these on actually outside, uh, would definitely suggest doing so too. Um, the way it interacts with UV light is definitely different than what you'd see in, in a store. So if you have the opportunity to do that. And I also to say that, you know, everybody's eyes, everybody's mind, everybody, how we see colors is different. So some people, it's just a personal preference of what they like, how of the, the viewing experience. And then certainly the aesthetic on top of that, um, you know, get what you like um, and what you're comfortable, uh, comfortable with how you look in. Definitely. Um, how many different, we kind of talked a little bit about this, but how many different frame and lens options does Costa offer? I do not know that number off the top of my head. It would be a very, very generous amount, more than you would need for sure. Uh, maybe I could circle back with that number, but hundreds. <laughs> oh, I, I thought it was a lot. That's why I was curious, just if you knew the number off the top of your head. We'll have to, we'll have to yeah. go back and count. We'll make like tally marks and stuff and we'll, we'll get the number figured out. But um, <laughs> do you have a personal favorite? As far as which, yeah, which so I like? I kind of have uh, favorites across all three tiers. Uh, um, so you know, for my days out on the water, King Tide has been you go to for sure. Um, King Tide Eight, I absolutely love. Uh, that's my 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 preference when I'm you know offshore, really just looking for the ultimate in in performance and durability and standing up to the conditions. So that's been a new one. Uh, off the boat, I love King Tide Six without the side shields on. Um, that's, that's a really, really cool frame that I've been rocking recently. It's such a lightweight frame and just all, all the performance features added just fits really, really well. So that was a, that was a cheater one, but okay. So performance is King Tide 8, King Tide 6 with the side shields off in the hybrid category. I love Spiro XL. That's kind of my, my daily driver. Um, something that I use a lot. I have a generally a little bit of a bigger head. Uh, so the XL fits me well and I just love the laid back style and overall fit of that. Um, but still has some performance features added and included within. And then on the lifestyle side, uh, Rincon is my is my go-to, you know, just that classic kind of like squared rectangle shape, uh, a little bit of those West Coast vibes and just an easy wear. Again, that Rincon has uh, spring hinges. So dudes with larger heads like myself won't experience any of that pinching that you might get on the temple. temple. So those are kind of my, my three go-tos. 
I obviously mix in a lot of other ones here and there, but those are the, the top three. Awesome. I know you mentioned a couple of times about like West Coast style. So you said you used to live in New York and now you live in, in Southern California. How much of a difference is it in the, the preferences in styles of sunglasses between the two coasts? Yeah, it's uh, it's really funny and interesting to see, especially moving out here. So I'm born and raised in New York. I moved out to California four months ago um, with with Costa. And yeah, it's very, very different. Very, very different. You know, it's a lot of black over here, a lot of more expressive colors on the East Coast, especially the Southeast, you know, a lot of those pastel type of colors. Um, and on on the eyewear side, um, you know, California is one of the most penetrated and saturated uh, sunglass markets in the world. So there's a lot of competitors, you know, that are founded in California. Um, so it generally feels like there's a little bit more of that laid back feel on the West coast and people aren't as concerned with function rather versus how they look. Um, you know, people would rather sacrifice performance, um, with the, the very off chance of looking at a place. Um, so a little bit more uh, emphasis on the overall aesthetic look. Um, but the biggest difference is the gray the gray lenses over index um, by far and away our top seller on the West coast where on the East coast, you can imagine it's blue and green mirror all day. Yeah. That's definitely what I've experienced more of is I, I don't, I don't know if I can think of off the top of my head, seeing anyone or knowing anyone that has the gray uh, sunglasses. I'm sure someone will text me now as soon as they hear this, that they have, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I see a lot of the blue and the green mirror. Like you said, I guess, does that change the way that you have to try to market them too? I mean, if you're coming out with a new pair and, to try to market it to such a, a global audience. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where well, a little bit what we were talking about earlier of matching the DNA or the design intent of the product with the overall how we shoot and who we shoot with. Um, so that was really cool with uh King Tide's a great example of that. You know, for for King Tide 8, we shot with um overall King Tide we shot with some of our favorite pros. King Tide 8 was Chris Whitman, co-founder for Captains for Clean Water. Um, obviously a huge, huge holding in the, in the Southeast. And then for King Tide six shot with Mark Healy and Dwayne Diego, uh, Mark's based in Hawaii, world renowned big wave surfer and spear fisherman and Dwayne is one of the leading anglers out here on the West coast. So, uh, kind of use them to kind of embody the, what, what the frames represent and further to where we shot those. Um, so we did shoot those in Hawaii, um, to kind of get those deeper Pacific blues integrated in the shoot. Um, for a recent uh, lifestyle collection, we actually shot down here in Southern California. So it's nice to just shoot in a little bit of a different area. Um, and overall flexing how we appear on the marketing side to really just align with uh, the design intent and DNA of the actual products themselves. So it's been a fun exercise. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I know that um, I've seen some of that, uh, you know, the photo shoots and other things that you've done with Captains for Clean Water. And I know that um, like, the Jose pros that I have were all based around Jose Wahebe, who I know was at one time uh, a big part of Costa's team. Um, I think you guys work Sorry. with Flip Flip Pallet as well, right? I mean, there's a big, yeah. big name in the in the fishing industry. Um, so really, just like you said, all all around. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, that Jose the, the Jose Pro project was a really special one to uh, to work on. You know, he was just such an amazing figure in the industry. Um, was just just an amazing, amazing story to expose. So um, if, if you guys haven't had a chance, there's a nice long form film on uh, Jose Pro and how it celebrates Jose's life and the legacy that he's left on all of us. So I'd invite you guys to go check that out if you have some time. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. I read a little bit more about them when I got them, but I'll have to go back and, and double check on that one. Um, 
So we mentioned a couple of times about how Costa is really big in conservation. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about some of the things that that Costa is involved with. Sure. Um, in a couple of weeks here, we have our second edition of the Protect Report coming out, which is the best uh, way to kind of see everything it is that we do to give back. Um, we, we release this once every two years. So every company has their financial reports that they send out at the end of the year. We challenge ourselves to provide the, the Protect Report showing how we go out of our ways to protect the areas that we love most. Um, I would love for my, my the, the, the community and events team to really speak to everything that we do here, but supporting Captains for Clean Water is a massive one. Hurricane relief is huge. It's been really cool to see a lot of members uh, of our team that are on the ground in Jupiter, Florida. Our brand team is still based in Jupiter, Florida. Last year, you know, um, every meeting for the rest of the week was canceled. They picked up everything, just went to the west side of, of Florida and helped out wherever they could on the, on the front lines. Um, so, you know, we, we, we lead by example on the larger scale of what our brand does, but personally, all of us are invested in, in making that change too. And a lot of us have been affected by uh, hurricanes or other potential uh, downsides that, that, that come with the larger goal of protecting the places that we love. So there's so much that we do. Um, I don't want to hit on too much of it because I feel like I'll be doing a disservice to the, to the team that does so much, uh, but check out, keep an eye out for that protect report that, that definitely gives that top top level zoomed out view of everything that we do to give back. Um, one story that I will highlight that was one of the cooler, cooler things that we did was um, I'm actually not sure if I'm allowed to speak about that yet. So, you know, what? I'm going to save that. Sure, no <laughs> problem. To totally understand. Yeah. There, there's a really cool thing coming out with the uh, intersection of um, conservation and performance. So keep an eye out. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. I'll be keeping an eye out. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, I've always said, you know, that, any advocates that we can have for the outdoors and for the things that we love and helping protect more, you know, the more number of voices we have, the louder our voices. So uh, I certainly appreciate and know that everybody, uh, you know, here at our, at our team at Tide Chasers appreciates what Costa does um, for conservation. Awesome. So um, I want to kind of transition a little bit here. We'll get into some of our listeners' uh, favorite questions as we start to get towards the end. Um, learn a little bit more about you and some of your, your, experiences in the outdoors. Um, so we know that you're an avid surfer. You've told us a few of those uh, snippets of stories about that so far. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your surfing experiences and what you think makes uh, surfing so special. Sure. Yeah. Um, a surfing, surfing and skiing are probably my two biggest passions. It's just an amazing medium to travel the world with. It's always cool going to a place where you maybe don't speak the language, but can share the stoke of what laying down a good turn either on snow or in the water does, you know, sharing those woos and yous with everybody out in the lineup has been really, really cool and a really cool way to get out there and explore. Um, Something that I've um, really transitioned to, and it's crazy how it's almost become my main love of surfing, is uh, the benefits of surf therapy um, and what that can present to a lot of people. Um, so about eight years ago, I started volunteering with an organization called A Walk on Water. Uh, we teach um, children with physical or mental disabilities how to surf, and it's super, super therapeutic for them. And it's been amazing being a part of this and really seeing the transformative properties of the ocean in action. Um, over these events, you know, being able to do it for the, as many years as I have, it's been awesome working with kids and seeing them grow up and now become amazing watermen themselves. So, um, you know, obviously the, the thrill seeking and adventure side of surfing is, is amazing, but, um, larger what it could do for others in terms of the therapeutic elements and what it does for, for us in the therapeutic elements, I think is, uh, one of the bigger takeaways there. So a lot to celebrate on the surfing end for sure. 
That's awesome. I think my only experience with surfing of any kind is getting my face buried in the sand from a boogie board down in like Ocean <laughs> City, Maryland, getting taken out by a breaker. And uh, that, <laughs> that was enough for me to call it for a day. That'll, that'll definitely happen. That'll definitely happen. I'll get a pay to play every once in a while. That's for sure. Exactly. Um, how about fishing? Do you do any fishing at all? I do. I do. I grew up, uh, grew up fishing. Um, so my dad and I grew up right on the beach on the North shore of Long Island. We had three steps going right down to the beach. So I always grew up with my dad and always when he got back from work would bring his rod down, you know, hook it up with a nice bunker chunk, leave it out there and just have it resting on the, on our uh, front porch there with one of those ringer bells attached to the tip of the pole um, to show when you had some action because we'd leave it out there. It was my favorite thing as a five or six year old kid to go over there when dad just fell asleep for a nap and hit that little bell and see him <laughs> move faster than I've ever seen him move before. That grew, he got tired of that one pretty quickly, but I always had a lot of fun doing that. But yeah, grew up fishing on Long Island, um, spent a lot of time in Montauk growing up, um, you know, have an annual trip on the hurry up with my cousins and uncles where we go for stripers every year. Um, I remember winning my first snapper tournament when I was like five or six years old. And I think I won like 20 bucks in a free fireproof bag from the local fire station. I remember coming home thinking I was like rich and basically a professional athlete. So I've always... Uh, I've always grew up fishing. I would say I've spent a little bit more of my time over the past few years on the surfing end um, and try to layer in fishing generally on the down days of whatever, wherever those surfing trips will be. But uh, working on the coast team has been able, uh, has uh, allowed me to experience fishing opportunities I could only only dream of. So it's uh, super grateful for a lot of these experiences and, and even more so the people that we've met along the way. So um, yeah, absolutely love fishing. That's awesome. I know I saw a picture of you holding a pretty big mahi. You want to tell us a little bit more about, about that? Sure. Yeah, that was uh, that was on that Los Sueños shoot I was talking about earlier. Um, so we were down there with Maverick Sportfish and Will Drost graciously helped, uh, hosted us down there. What an amazing fishery and just overall um, place. Um, so we were out doing some uh, some marlin fishing, got hooked up a few times. We were satisfied for what we wanted to accomplish on the shoot there. We were just steaming back to the harbor, you know, pretty long, pretty long run back in. And I was just uh, practicing my Spanish on the back of the boat with one of the mates. And, you know, we're just kind of looking out, telling story. I think most of the crew was just napping on the inside. And then I was looking on the horizon and I was like, what is that? And uh, pointed it out to to the mate. He yelled something in Spanish. He was talking really quickly. I could tell he was excited. I didn't know exactly what it was. Talking to the captain. Next thing I know, we were hammered down, headed straight to this thing. Turned out it was a big floating dead whale. Um, and as we all know, uh, mahi love any type of structure. Uh, and there is a school of, I don't know how many mahi on this thing. Um, it was some of the coolest, craziest fishing I've ever experienced. Uh, we had a lot of guys on fly catching massive mahi there. Um, it was tough because we were doing our drifts. If you ever got downwind to that thing, it was the most gnarly smell you've ever smelled in your life. But it was worth it because of how great of fishing we had. And that was... Uh, that bowl that I got into was one of the last fish that we had hooked up, hooked up to and pretty, pretty solid fight for sure. And then once we got it in, it was just amazing to see the size of this thing. So yeah, we're stoked on that one and even more stoked with the fish tacos we had with the collective group a little bit later that night. So a uh, good way to celebrate for sure. For sure. Yeah. Mahi fish tacos. You can't, can't beat fresh Mahi fish tacos. Uh, They're the best. The best. The absolute best. <laughs> I've heard of mahi being caught off of a lot of things floating out in the water, but I think that's the first time I've ever heard of mahi on a floating wet dead whale. Yeah, yeah. Now we we uh, we've seen floating logs. That was that was a unique one, but a lot of fish on that thing. That's cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's an experience you'll remember for a long time. 
Um, Probably that smell more than anything. (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah, that would be the part that I couldn't forget about fast enough would be. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any bucket list destinations that you want to go to to either surf or fish? I'm actually planning a trip for this March that we'll be able to do a little bit of both there Um, and actually tie in skiing as well. My, my third biggest passion um, up in Northern Norway. So there's this awesome trip that you go, go on up there uh, right in the beginning, mid March uh, where you hop on a sailboat for 14 days and you sail in and out of these snow covered fjords that they have up there, you know, a thousand to 2000 plus meter peaks coming right out of the ocean. A lot of times you're just sailing through, mapping out virgin lines that you want to ski down. Um, you'll agree on the line, drop anchor, let all your gear to Zodiac, get to shore, hike up to the top and ski back down. Uh, so that's one of the main main points of attraction. But also up there, it's like a frozen Hawaii. I don't know if you've seen any of the clips from like the Lofoten Island chain or anywhere in northern Norway. They have a lot of really, really good ways. Uh, the opposite end of the Atlantic there is one of the most active storm areas on the planet. So there's always swell being pumped in. So it's a frozen Hawaii. And also the whole Norwegian cod fishing fleet is up in that area during that time of year. So uh, we'll be fishing off the back, you know, kind of uh, making our own food as we go um, surf and uh, ski these different destinations. So that's that's definitely been on my bucket list. I've, I had that trip planned back in 2018, but I blew up my ACL like a month and a half before the trip on a different ski ski tour. So uh, stoked to finally make that happen. And I uh, got a good, good, good group of buddies that were he- heading out on that one with well, that's good that you, you know, you got the chance to make that trip up. It's, it's unfortunate that it got changed the first time, but at least you're getting the chance to go back. Um, yeah, I would have thought, you know, Norway, I could totally understand the skiing, you know, with there being a lot of snow and mountains up there, but I never would have thought about surfing in Norway. I, I always think surfing like warm places, you know, sunshine. I never would have thought about Norway. Yeah, well, growing growing up in New York, we're no stranger to cold weather surf. You know, we get some of our best swell in the middle of winter with our the nor'easters that come through. It's not abnormal that we'll get the foot of snow and eight eight plus foot barreling surf with, you know, fifteen mile an hour offshore winds coming out of the north. I think the the coldest I've seen it was like, I think it was like fifteen or maybe twenty degrees outside with a stiff north wind coming in, and the water was in the high thirties. So that was a pretty cold scenario that we had right on the south shore of Long Island doesn't really get much colder than that. So uh, we're, we're definitely used to it. I would think the Pacific's got to be pretty cold too when you do some uh, surfing out in California. It It is. Yeah, it's funny. It's different. It's uh, it's just kind of always a similar temperature. Like I was back home um, in New York a couple of weeks ago. I uh, was lucky enough to, to score some of that hurricane lease well and the water temperature was 75 degrees when we were out there. Um, and then I came back out here and I hopped in the water. I'm like, this is absolutely freezing. You know, it's it's funny. It's it kind of maintains that you know you're pretty much always in a three two throughout the year. But so insane to think that that same beach that we were surfing at seventy five degrees of water in a few months will be low forties or or even high thirties. You know, the, the amount that it changes on that east end is insane. Yeah, I know. I was in when I was a kid. I was out in California for the first time, and you know, had to run down the beach to go. We were up in in Monterey area. Had to run down the beach and mm-hmm. you know get your toes in the Pacific Ocean for the first time. And as soon as I ran in, I turned, ran right back out. Like, uh, you know, right. this is way too cold for me. I don't know how people are out there swimming and surfing and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Especially up north. But uh, what a beautiful area Monterey is. That's that's a cool first impression. Yeah, getting to uh, walk down to Fisherman's Wharf in the morning and watch sea otters come up with abalone and crabs and everything, and just get to start your day that way. That's that's pretty cool. I, I wish I had gotten back there. Uh, 
since then, but hopefully I'll get back there sooner rather than later. Awesome. Always an open invitation if you ever want to come out. Oh, I appreciate it. I'll have to take you up on that. Um, how about a most memorable surfing or fishing trip? Yeah, uh, a lot of good ones there. Um, my most memorable fishing trips are certainly with uh, with the Costa team. Um, I had an opportunity. I don't even know. That's a that's a hard that's a hard question. So many great ones. Um, maybe the most memorable was down in the Bahamas last year off of Bimini. Uh, first time really messing around with spear fishing. Uh, we were down there with Perrin James, Steph Schultz, um, and a few other amazing amazing ambassador of ours. And really tapping into the whole mindset that goes into free diving and then spear fishing, uh, you know, just that that collective experience of being on some of the most beautiful untouched island chains and stuff down there, um, and also tying in a little bit of the, the sailing was probably one of the more memorable experiences. Going for for bluefin or yellowfin, Dwayne out of San Diego was definitely up there too. So a lots to pick from there. Um, and then on the on the surfing end, probably a trip that we did down in uh, mainland Mexico uh last year down in like the greater uh barra region we went down there with um a local guy named toro and he's just super super plugged in um and we actually scored some good fish on that trip too so a little bit of, a little bit of both awesome yeah i'm definitely jealous about some of the places you travel that sounds like some incredible experiences you'll remember for for a lifetime it's good stuff for sure Awesome. Well, uh, I think we're going to start to wrap things up here so um before i let you go maybe you can tell our listeners um, you know, how they can keep up with Costa on, on social media or how they can keep up with the latest um, and find out about all the new products. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, we're actually right right now in the middle of rolling out all of our fall lines. So definitely uh, check out Costa Sunglasses on Instagram or costadelmar.com uh, for the new additions. Definitely invite you guys to check out that King Tide video, uh, all the product release videos you can find on our YouTube as well, Costa Sunglasses. Um, yeah, and keep an eye out for a lot of the, the new exciting stuff coming out, but, uh, can't thank you enough for the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on. Um, it was great to hear more about a product that I know many of us on the Tide Chasers here team and many of our listeners use as well. Um, so super excited to have you on and hear about that process. And, um, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up another great episode of the Tide Chasers podcast. We thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to give Costa a follow um, on both on their website and on their social media. Take a look at all the great work that they're doing with their new products, both eyewear and other uh, products as well. And plus all the conservation work that they're doing too. That's all great stuff. So um, please also give us a follow and subscribe as well. Until the next episode, tight lines, everybody.